The world today can be a frightening place, and the direction it's heading only adds to the alarm. Do you have the courage to overcome your fears? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah continues his series, Courage to Conquer, with guidance for trusting God when you're afraid, just like King David did. To introduce the conclusion of his message, Courage When Fear Dominates You, here's David. Well, thank you for joining us. We started this yesterday as we opened our calendars to the first uh, day in the month of February. And uh, today we're going to finish up what we started yesterday in the first lesson for the series we have called Courage to Conquer, this wonderful passage from Psalm 39, and the subject is Courage When Fear Dominates You. This is a very fearful time for a lot of people. I've noticed uh, that more than ever before. And if there is one thing that seems to be um, characteristic of what we're experiencing now in our country and in our culture, it is the the greater presence of fear on the part of many people. And I don't need to uh, illustrate that because you all know what I'm talking about. This whole series is meant to help you and encourage you and lift you up and give you the courage to stand in the midst of things you don't even understand. And part of our strategy is the resource that we're offering during the month of February, which is a, a little hold it in your hand and you can contain it, hardcover gift book from Robert J. Morgan, one of our favorite writers. And the book is called The Jordan River Rules, 10 God-Given Strategies for Moving Forward. We want to send this book to you as our way of saying thank you for your gift to Turning Point during the month of February. I promise you, you will be blessed by this book. Anything Robert puts his hand on, anything he tackles, any subject he goes after, it's filled with encouragement, it's filled with illustration, and most of all, for application's sake, it's at the very top. If you want something to lift you up and encourage you during the month of February, you can get a copy of this book by sending a gift of any size to Turning Point. And when you send a gift, be sure to ask for your copy of The Jordan River Rules by Robert J. Morgan. It'll be on its way to you before you know it. There's also a bookmark we want to make available to you. Double-sided color includes the scripture verse from Matthew 19, 26, which says, With God all things are possible. This beautiful bookmark is yours for just the asking. There's nothing you have to do except just send us something or Get it with us on the internet and let us know you want it, and we'll have it in the mail to you before you know it. Once again, the bookmark has on the front of it, God specializes in things that are impossible, and then the verse from Matthew 19 on the back. So those are uh, things we're uh, telling you about as we enter into the month of February. And now let's get back to what we started yesterday, how to have courage when fear dominates you. What a great lesson to learn from the experiences of David. When we are afraid, what seems so out of context for us, we're to worship God. When we are filled with panic, that's the time to praise. When we're filled with worry, that's the time to worship. When we're about to go under the table and cover our heads up, that's the time to lift our arms up to the Lord and give praise to his holy name. You say, well, if I don't feel like doing it, how am I going to do it? Whoever said you had to feel like doing it? I mean, you know what? Life is not about feeling good. It's about doing good. So if you see what the Word of God is saying, I just tell you, if you want to get out of fear, here's the first step. Begin to worship the Lord. I'm going to show you why that works. When I praise and worship God in the midst of my fears, my fears don't go away. 
They're just put into perspective of a loving and powerful God. I'm praising the God of the universe, the creator of the world. And then I have to ask myself, can that God take care of my problems? Oh, man. You see, what happens if you go into prayer without worship, you just dig yourself a deeper hole. You just rework the problem. But if you worship the Lord, that's why when you read the prayer that the Lord taught us, it starts out, hallowed be thy name. Why? Because praise and worship lifts God up in our minds and in our hearts and helps us to see that while our problem is fierce, and David's problem was fierce, he remembered that he had a God, and when he had this moment, perhaps even in the midst of his fainting insanity, there was this word of praise in his heart. God, somehow I messed up, but you're going to get me through this. So we need the courage to offer up our praise. Here's the second thing. We need the courage to own our problem. Notice Psalm 34, 4, and 5. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. The second thing David teaches us to do is to admit our fears before God. As he writes these words, David's mind goes back to Gath, and he remembers the way the inhabitants of Gath looked at him when they recognized who he really was. This is the man who killed Goliath. When David heard those words according to his psalm, he sought the Lord, and the Lord heard him and delivered him from all of his fears. Even while pretending to be mad, even while acting insane, David was praying in his soul. Have mercy, Lord. Help me, Lord. I know I'm wrong, Lord, but please help me. Lord, help me. I don't know what I'm doing, but Lord, help me. I'm going to die here, Lord, if you don't help me. Lord, I'm, I'm telling you I'm afraid. That is what David is remembering. And instead of rubbing David's nose in the dirt, the Lord stepped in and set him free. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad God is a merciful God? You know what I would have done? I'll tell you what I would have done. If I were God, I would have said, David, you got yourself in this mess. You get yourself out of it. You walked away from my counsel. You played the stupid game of embarrassing me here. You're the king in waiting and you're walking around with saliva dripping off your beard. You came into this situation, you get out of the situation. But David said, no, the Lord heard my cry, and he delivered me from my situation. You know, I keep reminding myself often when I'm journaling how glad I am that God's faithfulness to me is not based upon my faithfulness to him. He is a good God, and he hears us. And when we're afraid, when we are filled with fear, we can still cry out to God, and he will hear us. David realized his weakness. Notice he does not say, this strong man cried out. Did you see what he said about himself? He said, this poor man cried out. In truth, David was poor. He had to stop and get some food because he didn't have anything to eat. He didn't have a weapon. He didn't have an army. He didn't have an entourage. He was a poor man. But I don't think that's what he's talking about here. David's talking about the fact that he's weak. He's poor. He's done wrong. He's messed up. And he's crying out to God and he calls himself this poor man. He was fearful, troubled, alone, and poor. In the New Testament, we have a record of Paul confessing something like this. You remember this passage in 2 Corinthians 12. Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure 
Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly will I boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What is Paul saying? If it takes weakness to get God's power in your life, you're better off weak than you would ever be strong. Because when you are weak in your own strength, you become strong in God's strength. You got that? David said, this poor man cried, but this poor man heard from the rich God, and the rich God intervened and lifted him out of the situation. So when you find yourself kind of intimidated or dominated by fear, the first thing I want you to do is whether you feel like it or not, begin to worship the Lord and praise him. Offer up your praise. Secondly, own your problem. Don't try to pass it off on someone else. You know, it's the old spiritual. It's me, O Lord. Me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. <laughs> and that's where David was. Thirdly, you need courage to overcome through prayer. Notice what it says in verse 6. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The word trouble in the Hebrew language is an interesting word. It's the word that means hang-ups or limitations or restrictions. David said, I cried unto the Lord, and he delivered me from all my hang-ups and from all my fears. Notice the words that are used in this psalm for prayer. If you go down through the psalm, you will see in verse 4, I sought the Lord. In verse 6, this poor man cried out. In verse 10, those who seek the Lord. And in verse 17, this righteous cry out. Look at those words. Seek and cry out and you will see the intensity of David's prayer. Fear in our lives as Christians is often misunderstood and so we don't know how to pray. We don't know that we can come to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm afraid. Please help me with my fears and God will hear us. You know, a lot of pastors live their whole lives in fear. Did you know that? It's an awesome thing to be the pastor of a church and realize that your well-being is basically dependent upon the people who come every Sunday. I mean, if they don't come, you don't feel very well. A lot of pastors are intimidated, and if they're not careful, they're intimidated into kowtowing to the opinions of their congregation. Thank God I've never been tempted to do that, but I know how easy it would be. You can be afraid as a pastor. You can be afraid as a doctor. Frankly, if I were a doctor today, I'd probably deal with fear with all of the suits that are going on, with all of the stuff that's happening. In any occupation you can think of, fear can be your issue. I read an article about fear by a fellow pastor, and the article was titled, You've Got to Fear Somebody. And the author of the article confessed to having dealt with fear in his church, and he talked about the way God led him out of the darkness of that fear. Here's a portion of what he wrote. To get to the root of the fear of man, you must begin understanding what trust and fear consist of. Trust in God is complete reliance on him for the provision of every need, for the protection from those who would hurt us, and for the guidance to make good decisions. Fear of man is believing another person has ultimate power to impact my life and dreading the damage that person might do to me in the future. Now watch carefully the observation this writer makes. Note that both trust and fear 
attribute power to someone who's going to affect our future. The only difference is the object of our fear or trust. When we trust, we're trusting God. When we fear, we're fearing man. So trust and fear are virtually equivalent, he writes. The truth is the key to understanding why the Bible tells us we're to fear God and not fear man. Then he said, in my struggle with the fear of man, I began to see how fear had subverted my confidence in God. He had been dethroned in my life and people had taken his place. I was no longer trusting God. I was fearing church boards and ministry heads instead. Since fear of man cedes power to human beings that rightfully belongs to God, it is actually a form of idolatry. When we are ruled by the fear of man as I was, we're afraid to usurp God's power in our own life. Do you hear what he's saying? When you fear, you make someone else or something else your God. It controls your life. You think of it when you wake up in the morning and it's the last thing that goes through your mind before you go to sleep at night. That's what fear does. But that's what God's supposed to do. God's supposed to be your first thought in the morning and your last thought at night. Now fear has taken his place. Fear now comes to control your every emotion. God's supposed to control your emotion. If you allow fear to take God's place, according to this author, that's a form of idolatry. And it's saying, I trust the power of my enemies more than I trust the power of Almighty God. It's saying, I trust the power of this, whatever it is that's frightening me, I trust it more than I trust Almighty God who has saved me. And then you have to go to God in your prayer and say, Lord God, please forgive me. I'll be back again, I'm sure, because this thing isn't going to go away today. But I want you to know I've got it in perspective. I know because I let fear control me, I've stopped letting you be the Lord of my life. And it's only as we overcome through prayer that fear can be reduced by trust. I need to tell you, this transaction can often be a gigantic struggle, especially for those who have allowed fear to rule over them for a long time. Let me ask you this question. Are you a Christian? Yes. Do you believe God? Yes. Do you believe that he can take you to heaven? Yes. Then you got to start believing that he can help you in the midst of your problems. Because if God can take you to heaven, my friend, there's not anything too hard for him. And he can rule and overrule in your life. Amen? Amen. All right. Now let's look at the fourth one. So we need courage to offer up praise. We need courage to own our problem. We need courage to overcome through prayer. Here's the last one. We need courage to obtain God's provision. Now I want you to notice what we read in this psalm. This psalm is all about what God's going to do to help us. This psalm goes from the problem to the solution. I like that. You don't have to wait till the next psalm to get the solution. The problem and the solution are all here. In fact, if you look in your Bibles, I want you to notice how often the promise of deliverance is mentioned in the psalm. I counted Six times in Psalm 34 where you see the word saved or deliver. The Lord hears our prayers and he sends deliverance. Verse 4, he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Verse 6, the Lord heard me and saved him out of all his troubles. Verse 17 and 18, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears 
and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Amen. So if we seek, he will deliver. If we look, he will lighten. If we cry, he will save. If we fear, he'll surround us. All he asks us to do is to trust him and fear him and seek him and let him take the place of fear in our life. Get fear off the throne. Put God back where he belongs. Amen? But I've saved the best till last because that's the way it is in the text. Not only does God give us deliverance, but he also gives us the deliverer. I'm glad for the deliverance. I'd rather have the deliverer, wouldn't you? Notice what the psalmist says in verse 7. This is an often quoted verse, but notice what it says. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him. You say, well, what's so big about that verse? Hang on, listen up. This is what that means. The angel of the Lord appears only in the Psalms three times. Once here in Psalm 34 and twice in Psalm 35. That is all very important because the term angel of the Lord is what theologians call a Christophany. Now what is a Christophany? I'm going to say this and then I think you'll understand what I'm saying. It is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. When did Jesus Christ come into the world? We read about it in Luke 2, in the book of Luke, we read about his entering into the world in Bethlehem. Did Jesus Christ begin at Bethlehem? No. He's always been Jesus Christ. But according to the scripture, on several occasions in the Old Testament, Jesus Christ appeared, and he's always referred to when he appears like that as the angel of the Lord. It's a special title for Jesus in the Old Testament. Interestingly enough, after the incarnation in the New Testament, that title never appears again in the Bible. Why? You don't need it. In the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord sometimes came into situations to deal with particular problems. And what is it that David says in Psalm 34? He says, the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him. Not only has God promised to deliver us, he's promised to give us the deliverer. Jesus himself draws near to us in our fear. When the angel of the Lord appears in the Bible, it is often in a very interesting situation. And I've chosen a story where he appears in the Old Testament, kind of bring this message to a conclusion so you'll understand how this works. In 2 Kings chapter 6, we have the story of Elisha and his servant. According to the record, the prophet Elisha and his servant were in a place called Dothan. And the king of a country called Aram, A-R-A-M, sent his armies to surround the city of Dothan. And here's why. God had been revealing the military plans of the king of Aram to Elisha. Elisha had been taking those plans and giving them to the king of Israel. Aram found out that his intelligence was really suspect. His CIA wasn't working because Elisha was getting direct conversation from the Lord. So when they get ready to go to battle, and they were going to fight the Aramites, the Arameans, or whatever you call them. Almighty God would say to Elisha, now here's what they're going to do. So here's what you do. Now go tell king, and he'll... T-. And everywhere they went, 
The Israelites were already there. So somehow the king of the Arameans found this out and they decided the way to win this war is to wipe out the intelligence department, which happened to be Elisha. So here's Elisha and his servant and they're in this little village of Dothan. Now here's where the story gets interesting. During the night, the Aramean army surrounded Dothan where Elisha's servant and Elisha were. And in the morning, when Elisha's servant went out to get water for his master, he saw this vast Aramean army surrounding them. He was filled with fear. He runs back to Elisha and he cries out in the words of 2 Kings 6.15, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And Elisha told his servant not to be afraid in verse 16. He said, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now you got to see Elisha's servant scratching his head. There's two of them and the entire mountains are filled with the Arameans. I mean, he's saying, you know, Elisha, you stayed up too late. <laughs> and verse 17 of 1 Kings 6 says this, and Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Were there more with them than were with the enemy? Absolutely. What was the difference? They just couldn't see him. Until God opened the eyes of the servant, he didn't realize that the whole army of God had come into play. And the Aramean army was dwarfed in comparison to that. This is what David was experiencing in the cave. He was afraid, but he knew the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him. My friend, when you're laying in that hospital and you don't know what's going to happen, and you haven't heard the word, the angel of the Lord sits down on your bed to help you through the time. When you hear that bad news that comes at night and you don't know where to go and you don't know what to do, you just have to offer up a prayer. Say, Lord God, draw near. And the angel of the Lord, our blessed Savior, comes to draw near. He's the one we never have to be afraid because he's with us. And he's always with us in the midst of our fear. He sends not only deliverance, my friends, but here's the best news. He sends the deliverer. And the one who has overcome fear for all of us on the cross draws near to us in our own personal fears. And we can be assured that we are not alone. He's promised never to leave us or forsake us. And when we're the most filled with fear, he's the most near to us, whether we know it or not. Sometimes we have to pray, Lord God, open my eyes that I can see him. Because he's here, I know it, but I need a little more revelation of his presence. You know how he does that? He brings his people into your life. He sends one of his ambassadors to remind you that he hasn't forgotten you. Amen? Amen? So you don't have to be afraid. When we are afraid, let us take courage and offer up our praise. Let us take courage and own our problem. Let us take courage and overcome through prayer. Let us take courage and obtain the provision, not only of the deliverance, but of the deliverer. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, friends, we're going to continue with our discussion of courage when tomorrow we open our Bibles to Romans chapter 8 and we talk about courage when faith deserts you. 
And we will uh, spend uh, tomorrow and Friday talking about that subject as we open our Bibles to Romans 8, 35 to 39. Once again, we've chosen these passages with you in mind. They're passages specifically chosen to give you courage in times of discouragement. Um, To encourage somebody is to bring yourself up next to them and uh, pour your courage into them. The Bible does that. The Bible is the the encouragement tank from which we get our courage. And you, you hook up to the Bible and get these verses and get them into your spirit, and they help you as you face the challenges of every day. So um, be sure and listen every day during this month as we take you through these important passages. Once again, there's a study guide from davidjeremiah.org, and uh, the resource for the month is the book by Robert Morgan, The Jordan River Rules, 10 God-Given Strategies for Moving Forward. Send a gift and be sure and ask for your copy. Thank you so much for listening. I want you to have a wonderful day filled with the Word of God and the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. I'll be back tomorrow. This is David Jeremiah. The message you just heard came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church, where Dr. David Jeremiah serves as senior pastor. How are you being blessed by Turning Point? Write us at Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Robert J. Morgan's book, The Jordan River Rules, 10 God-Given Strategies for Moving Forward. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, Courage to Conquer, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. do each day, Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point work to make a global impact for the kingdom of God, but we can't do it alone. That's where Bible Strong Partners come in. These loyal monthly supporters form the foundation of Turning Point, allowing Dr. Jeremiah to teach the whole counsel of God. Partnering with Turning Point enables you to share in the eternal impact of this ministry, leading people to Christ through our media and printed resources, multiplying Bible teaching broadcasts, presenting the gospel around the globe, and strengthening the saints. In appreciation for your partnership, Turning Point wants to provide you with exclusive monthly resources and study guides, member-only communications, an on-demand library of study content, and so much more. Are you ready to see what the Lord will do? Let's expect to change the world together. Go to davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong to become a BibleStrong partner today. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong. If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you'll be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. A writer named Josh Jenkins made this worthwhile observation about mistakes and failure. To err is human, he said. 
But when the eraser wears out ahead of the pencil, well, you're overdoing it. Sometimes in life, it feels like we've worn out the eraser long before the pencil is used up. And when that happens, it might be time to ask whether we are following God's plans or employing His wisdom. God doesn't want us to fail continually and consistently. He wants us to accomplish what He's gifted us to do. In order to write more than you erase, consult God's plan for abundant living in His Word. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's blueprint for life on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.